We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 774 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Friday, March 1st, 2024. It is the first day of a new month, a month in which we have the start of the NFL's new league year, a month in which we have MLB opening day, a month in which we have March Madness, including The NCAA tournament. March is one of the best months in sports, and March has begun. And it is beginning with Commander's managing partner, Josh Harris, and Commander's limited partner, David Blitzer, finally (laughs) selling their minority stake in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep, the Josh Harris group completed its purchase of the Commanders last July 21st, but Harris and Blitzer still had not sold their minority stake in the Steelers. Harris and Blitzer, since last July 21st, technically had had ownership stakes in two NFL teams. But we on Thursday had multiple reports that Harris and Blitzer are nearing the finalizing of a deal to sell their 4.8% stake in the Steelers to an investor group that features Steelers president Art Rooney II, who is the lead owner of the Steelers. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, speaking of our guy Josh Harris, a lot of conversation and a good bit of angst on Thursday morning over reports that Harris has been a part of the commander's interviews of quarterback prospects This week at the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Uh, Our next segment will give you my take on this. Uh, Spoiler alert, I think that everyone needs to chill, needs to chillax. Uh, I get that Josh Harris taking part in these interviews is notable, but I, as a Commanders fan, am not bothered by this, and I'll explain why. So we'll do that next segment, and then after that, a conversation with a regular on this podcast, Commanders analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. Mark is going to give us an in-depth film breakdown of... Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy. It is time to have the J.J. McCarthy conversation. He is viewed as the QB4 
in the 2024 NFL Draft, but is he more than the QB4? Uh, And should the Commanders, with their number two overall pick in the 2024 Draft, be seriously considering taking McCarthy, if not with that pick, then via trading down? What if the Commanders traded down, got more draft capital, and still got a franchise quarterback via taking McCarthy. That would be the dream scenario, right? Our team gets both more draft capital and gets a franchise quarterback. Mark Bullock will give us detailed analysis of J.J. McCarthy, and we'll talk commander's offensive line, including a potential free agent target for the interior of our commander's offensive line, and what the team should do with its primary starting offensive tackles from last season. Left tackle, Charles Leno Jr., and right tackle, Andrew Wiley, both of whom are under contract for the 2024 season. Also on the show, the Wizards. Uh, they late night on Thursday night had quite the game, but it ended up being another loss. Uh, a 134-131 overtime loss at the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, the Wizards lost their 13th consecutive game, concluded a winless month of February in which they went 0-12. And now in this NBA regular season are 9-50. and That is the worst record in the NBA. Half game worse than the Detroit Pistons. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. From Kevin Sinclair on X with a jarring reality about our football team taking quarterback in the first rounds of NFL drafts, writes Kevin, do you realize that the last time Washington taking a quarterback in a first round worked out was Sammy Ball (laughs) in the 1937 draft? Uh, Thank you for that, Kevin. That really is something, isn't it? The list of quarterbacks taken by the franchise in the first rounds of NFL drafts is a who's who of busts and mid-quarterbacks. Norm Sneed, Heath Schuler, Patrick Ramsey, Jason Campbell, Robert Griffin III, Dwayne Haskins, just to name a few. But the one hit was a massive hit, an all-time hit. Maybe the single greatest player in NFL history, the great Sammy Ball, slinging Sammy, who was more than just a slinger. Uh, He was more than just a quarterback, right? Uh, Played for the Redskins for the 1937 through 1952 seasons. He and his NFL career played quarterback, tailback, defensive back, punter, and punt returner. Uh, Now, the NFL was very different when Sammy Ball played as compared to now, but Sammy Ball revolutionized football. He was the catalyst who truly made the forward pass a thing in the NFL. To me, Sammy Ball is to the NFL what Babe Ruth is to baseball, a multi-way player who forever changed the sport. Babe Ruth was a two-way player, right? Outstanding as both a pitcher and a batter. Sammy Ball was a three-way player, outstanding on offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, From Nathan on X, referencing something that, that I said on Thursday's show, episode 773, when discussing our commanders for a second consecutive year being dead last in the NFL in the team's report card for player treatment and player care per the 
NFL Players Association. Uh, the NFLPA's overview of the commander's report card included this, quote, when asked what the number one issue respondents want to prioritize for fixing, most players couldn't come up with just one. <laughs> Instead, the common answer was the entire facility, end quote. And I said that the answer to what with the commander's infrastructure is most in need of fixing is like the answer to which song by Snoop Dogg is your favorite? You can't pick just one. And so wrote Nathan very simply on X, gin and juice. Thank you for that, Nathan. And as I wrote back to my guy, Nathan on X, I personally would go with the Shiznit as uh, Snoop's best song. But Gin and Juice, of course, is outstanding. Uh, you really can't go wrong with the great Snoop in terms of what his best song is. The top three Snoop Dogg songs for me are number three, Gin and Juice, number two, Doggy Dog World, and number one, The Shiznit. <laughs> but I tell you, the video for Gin and Juice is a classic. Uh, and the best part of the video is the parents arguing <laughs> while they're driving home where they will find Snoop Dogg throwing a pate. Uh, but the dad in the car arguing with the mom is so good. The dad at one point says to the mom, I didn't want to go over to Gertrude's house any damn way. <laughs> and then the mom says, you ain't got to worry about that because I ain't taking you nowhere with me. Uh, and then the dad throws some dude named JB under the bus. The whole interaction takes just a few seconds, but it's great. Uh, here you go. And now, please. I didn't want to go over Gertrude's house any damn way. You ain't got to worry about that because I ain't taking you nowhere with me. JB was over there. What JB got to do with you? Yeah, that gosh darn Gertrude. I mean, who wants to go over to Gertrude's house anyway? And then that gosh darn JB, he makes things even worse. <laughs> I have no idea who those actors are slash were, but uh, they were terrific. A very underrated part of that music video. Back when music videos actually were a big deal. If you're under the age of like 25, you may not know this, but there was a time during which music videos in some ways were more significant than the actual songs. Like what the videos were for songs was such a huge deal. I feel like that's not really the case anymore. Uh, but hey, we will always have the two arguing parents in Jit and Juice. Uh, hey, no podcast or show covers the commanders like this podcast does. And so if you would like to grow your business or practice, consider advertising on on the Al Galdi podcast. Podcast advertising is very affordable and gives you a true bang for your buck. Uh, email us, see what we can do for you. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. So one of my favorite television shows of all time is Wings. Did you ever watch Wings? Wings was a sitcom that aired on NBC in the 1990s. Wings was about a bunch of people who worked at a small airport, a two-airline airport in Nantucket, Massachusetts. Uh, Wings was a funny show. I watched it some when it was on NBC, but I watched the majority of the episodes that I watched when reruns aired on USA Network in the early 2000s when I was in college. I made it so that my schedule at the University of Maryland for my senior year, 2000-2001, 
one featured no classes on Fridays and no classes on Mondays through Thursdays before like 10 or 11 a.m. Those were the days, man. The idea (laughs) that college prepares you for the real world is a total fiction. College is a fantasy land. You make your own schedule. You're surrounded by your friends and people your age. You party a lot. College is not the real world. The real world is the real world. Anyway, uh, I, on weekday mornings during my senior year at Maryland, (laughs) would watch reruns of Wings on USA and watch reruns of Beverly Hills 90210 on FX. Life was good. (laughs) My favorite character on Wings was a guy called Antonio Scarpacci. Antonio Scarpacci was played by actor Tony Shalhoub, uh, who went on to greater fame as the star of the television series Monk on USA. Antonio Scarpacci was this lovable loser cab driver. He was really likable, but he was not what you would call an alpha, (laughs) okay? And one of the ongoing storylines with him was his lack of success with women. There's one episode of Wings in which he actually gets with an attractive woman, but he is so fearing of her eventually breaking up with him that he at one point in the episode tries to schedule (laughs) her, her breakup with him, figuring that the breakup was inevitable. So, hey, we might as well go ahead and schedule when the breakup will happen. Uh, You know, we on this podcast have scheduled fun. My man, Antonio Scarpacci, tried to have a scheduled breakup. Uh, The point, of course, was that Antonio Scarpacci was so used to not having success with women that he always anticipated the worst with women. We as fans of the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders are like Antonio Scarpacci. We, during Dan Snyder's tenure as lead owner of our team, May 1999 to July 2023, a long time, experienced so much losing and so many controversies and scandals and so much embarrassment that we as fans of the team operate in constant fear of that stuff. Now, us being this way is understandable, but us being this way is not the right way. It's not healthy. It's not necessary. And that brings me to what came out on Thursday morning. ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter, he on Thursday morning in a post on X wrote the following, quote, attending his first combine as the Washington commander's owner, Josh Harris has sat in and taken part of each of the six interviews that the team has conducted with the top quarterback prospects in this draft. Most owners don't attend the Combine. Harris is not only in Indianapolis, but a part of the quarterback interview process, end quote. So, Commander's managing partner, Josh Harris, is not only attending the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, he, per Adam Schefter, is sitting in and taking part in the Commander's interviews with top quarterback prospects. Uh, Note that Adam Schefter didn't just say that Josh Harris is attending the interview. Schefter said that Harris is taking part in the interviews. And Schefter noted that these are interviews of quarterbacks. Doesn't sound like Harris is sitting in and taking part in the commander's interviews of non-quarterback prospects at the Combine. And Schefter noted that, quote, most owners don't attend the Combine. End quote. 
And of course, <laughs> this post from Adam Schefter on X on Thursday morning set Commander's Twitter on fire. <laughs> because, of course, the greatest football sin of the Commander's last lead owner, Dan Snyder, was that he was a meddling owner. And note, I said greatest football sin, not greatest overall sin. That's a different conversation. Uh, but the greatest football sin of the Danny was that he was a meddling owner. He too often got involved in football operations, including famously ordering the selection of quarterback Dwayne Haskins with the number 15 overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft, despite the skins of football people not having a first round grade on Dwayne. And of course, that pick did not work out. Uh, and so there was this Antonio Scarpacci-like reaction from some Commanders fans, not all, but some, maybe even many, uh, that Josh Harris is meddling, that Josh Harris is getting involved in football operations when he should not be getting involved in football operations, that Josh Harris is doing as Dan Snyder did. But the truth is that there is much more reason to believe that Josh is not doing as Dan did then there is reason to believe that Josh is doing as Dan did. First of all, there's this. Commander's insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post on Thursday morning posted this on X. Quote, Josh Harris sat in on six QB interviews at the Combine, source confirmed, but I'm told he was there to observe rather than ask questions. The meetings were led by GM Adam Peters and included Coach Dan Quinn, AGM Lance Newmark, and others End quote. So at least according to Sam Fortier, Josh Harris's involvement in these interviews of quarterback prospects at the Combine has been more about observing than meddling. There is a big difference between observing and meddling. Josh Harris just bought the Commanders last July. Yes, he has experience as an NFL owner via his time as a limited partner in the Pittsburgh Steelers ownership, but he is learning the ropes of being a lead NFL owner. Josh Harris is big on process and information and data points. And so him wanting to have as good of a comprehension of the commander's ultra important quarterback decision this offseason as possible is understandable. If in fact, that is what is going on here. Uh, also, there's this. Josh Harris months ago essentially said that he would be observing the commander's draft process. Take it back to this past September 6th, Josh Harris and the top limited partner in the Josh Harris group, Mitchell Rails, were interviewed by, guess who? The Orioles' incoming new lead owner, David Rubenstein. Uh, this happened at an event for the Economic Club of Washington, D.C. Uh, Josh Harris, of course, also is the managing partner of the Philadelphia 76ers and is the managing partner of the New Jersey Devils and said Harris at this event this past September 6th, quote, I'm in the draft room in the NBA and would expect to be in the draft room in the NFL. You want to understand the process. You're not picking players. When we went to 53 players during the final roster cuts, I asked to be briefed on some of the harder decisions, but I didn't want to be in the room because I don't want the process to be altered, end quote. So Josh Harris right there flat out said that he is in the Sixers draft room. He has observed the Sixers draft process. He wants, quote, to understand the process, end quote. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, 
Meddling is the exact opposite of the reputation that Josh Harris has as managing partner of the Sixers and managing partner of the Devils. He is, in fact, known for hiring people and letting those people do their things. And then there's this. How foolish (laughs) would it be for Josh Harris off having just purchased the commanders from a person known for meddling in football operations to less than a year into owning the team meddle in football operations and do so outwardly. Because let's think about this. How is it that Adam Schefter got the intel that Josh Harris is taking part in the commander's interviews of quarterback prospects at the Combine? My guess is that Schefter got the intel from the agents of the players. Most reporters in sports get a lot of intel from agents. Josh Harris is not dumb. He probably knew that him taking part in these interviews of quarterback prospects at the Combine would get out, and yet he took part in the interviews anyway. Why? Well, my guess is because he has nothing to hide, okay? He's not doing anything wrong. Uh, Now, I'll concede that we can't be 100% certain that Josh Harris is not meddling in football operations, okay? I mean, you can't say anything with complete certainty when you don't know uh, that thing with absolute certainty. But to believe that he is meddling in football operations is to believe the very worst, which contradicts a lot that is out there, contradicts what Sam Fortier reported, contradicts what Josh Harris said this past September 6th, and contradicts what common sense dictates. I get the sensitivity to the lead owner of our football team participating in interviews of quarterback prospects at the Combine. We all recall what went down with the Danny. Okay, so I get the Antonio Scarpacci-like reaction. But as great as Antonio Scarpacci was, and he was great, the way he was is not the way to be. If Josh Harris proves to be a meddling owner, then yes, I will look back on him taking part in these interviews of quarterback prospects at the Combine very differently. But for now, I'm not mad about him taking part in these interviews. And actually, if he's trying to just educate himself about proper football process and is just wanting to understand what his new football operations regime is doing then him participating in these interviews of quarterback prospects at the Combine can be seen not just as not a bad thing, but as a good thing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, if you happen to be listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, you can write a review of the podcast saying that you like it. The review can be just a sentence or two, but the reviews help out the podcast a lot. Thank you for doing them. The 2024 NFL Scouting Combine at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis continues. We on Thursday had drills for defensive linemen at linebackers. We on Friday have drills for tight ends and defensive backs. We on Saturday have drills for quarterbacks, receivers, and running backs. We on Sunday have drills for offensive linemen and special teams specialists. It, of course, is the quarterbacks who we as Commanders fans care about the most. The conversation about what the Commanders should slash will do with their number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft is largely focused on the perceived top three quarterbacks in the 2024 Draft, right? USC's Caleb Williams, North Carolina's Drake May, and LSU's Jaden Daniels. But is it time to expand the conversation to include a fourth quarterback? The stock of Michigan's J.J. McCarthy is rising. For example, Pro Football Focus lead NFL draft analyst Trevor Sycamore, he in a mock draft that came out on February 16th, had McCarthy being taken with the number 10 overall pick and by the Commanders. Uh, Trevor had the Commanders uh, trading down to 12 and then up to 10 (laughs) to take McCarthy. But what if the Commanders with their number two overall pick could have their cake and eat it too. What if the commanders in the first round of the 2024 draft could both trade down in order to obtain a haul of assets and still get a franchise quarterback? J.J. McCarthy, unlike Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels, will be participating in quarterback throwing drills at the Combine on Saturday. Uh, McCarthy quarterbacked Michigan to the national championship for the 2023 season. He, for the 2023 season, it was number three among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in ESPN's total QBR. Uh, Jaden Daniels was number one. Caleb Williams was number 11. Drake May was number 14. McCarthy is very young. He's 21 years old, but he just turned 21. He was born in January 2003. Drake May also is 21, but he was born in August 2002. Caleb Williams is 22. Jaden Daniels is 23. Also, McCarthy, due to Michigan's offensive style and due to the Wolverines leading in so many games, didn't throw nearly as many passes in college as Williams, May, and Daniels did. McCarthy, over two seasons as Michigan's QB1 2022 and 2023, had just 600 54 pass attempts. Caleb Williams, over two seasons as USC's QB1, had 888 pass attempts. Drake May, over two seasons as UNC's QB1, had 942 pass attempts. Jaden Daniels, over two seasons as LSU's QB1, had 715 pass attempts. A lot to be thinking about. For much more on J.J. McCarthy, I am very pleased to welcome back 
to the Al Galdi podcast, Commander's Analyst Mark Bullock. Uh, he also is a Commanders fan, but Mark is exceptional at talking Commanders from an X's and O standpoint. He does tremendous Commanders film breakdowns. You can read Mark's work on his Substack, Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. He puts up multiple posts per week. He is written for The Athletic and for The Washington Post. You can follow Mark on X at Mark Bullock at FL. Hey, Mark, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How about you? Doing well. You, on your Substack last Friday, February 23rd, put up a breakdown of J.J. McCarthy. You like McCarthy. Uh, what we're going to get into in a bit is how much you like McCarthy and how much the commanders should like McCarthy. But let's start with this. What do you like about McCarthy? Yeah, I think, uh, objectively speaking, I think he is a tier below the top three guys that we, we've talked about a lot and the commander's fan base talks about frequently um objectively speaking he is just below those guys right now in comparison to to them but subjectively i see a guy that fits the kind of system and scheme that i really like the 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 shanahan system as uh that kind of style um i see a guy that fits that almost to a t um and so for me i probably view him higher than what other fans would because I, I see him as a guy that fits that system so well and I can project just how well he can fit into the, that system and, um, you know, how how accurate he is, how willing he is to attack over the middle of the field, how good on play action he is. Um, he's mobile as well. So, you know, that traditional Shanahan thing of wide zones into bootlegs, you could roll him out on the bootlegs and have him throw on the run and, um, and, and all that stuff. So he... He has a, a decent size arm. He's not, he doesn't have the biggest arm necessarily, but he's got a, a good enough arm to make all the throws. Um, yeah, mobile. Um, a ball placement is a real big plus for him. He, he shows some terrific ball placement, and uh, the aggressiveness, aggressiveness to attack over the middle of the field is, is the number one thing because that offense is all about trying to create space over the middle to to hit your, you know, for Washington it was Pierre Garçon, or or for when when you talk about. Carl Shanahan's system now it's, it's Debo Samuel or uh, or Tyreek Hill in Miami and, and, and those kind of guys you want to hit those guys on those dig routes across the middle um, and let them run after the catch and, and McCarthy excels on, on attacking over the middle so um, he's someone that I really like subjectively I probably like him more than a, a couple of those other guys but um, objectively he is probably lower down the ranks than those guys uh, in terms of right now where, where they are in their development. To further explore J.J. McCarthy profiling as someone who would excel in a Shanahan-like offense, the Commanders, of course, have Cliff Kingsbury as their new offensive coordinator, but he, at his introductory press conference on February 15th, did say that he would not label what he does offensively with the Commanders as the air raid. Uh, the coaching staff does have as its run game coordinator slash running backs coach, Anthony Lynn. Uh, he spent the last two seasons as the San Francisco 49ers assistant head coach slash running backs coach working under former Redskins offensive coordinator and current Niners head coach Kyle Shanahan. Could you see the Commanders offense under Kingsbury perhaps being Shanahan-esque? There, uh, certainly when I studied Kingsbury's offense from 2022, uh, I went into it expecting this air raid, pass-heavy, four-wide receiver stuff, and it was a, certainly a lot closer to what a Shanahan system would be than 
what you would typically associate with the air raid. And, and obviously there were still some air raid staples in there um, and a lot of use of tempo and, and those kind of things, not too much motion, but there was still uh, plenty of running the ball, a lot more running the ball than you would expect. Um, they they certainly leaned more on gap scheme runs than the traditional Shanahan zone stuff. And, and Shanahan has kind of expanded and, and you see the different branches of the Shanahan tree. Some of them lean more into the gap scheme stuff than, than Kyle necessarily does. Um, but um, in terms of the philosophy of running the ball, uh, setting up play action and, and then using, as I said, talking about attacking the middle of the field, um, that those were all things that Kingsbury did look to do with it, with the Cardinals in 2022 with, with his last, I guess, version of his offense in the NFL. Um, but he he didn't necessarily tie it all together as well as, as Shanahan would or um, or that those guys do because they make everything look the same. They, they show the same formation, the same motion, uh, the same personnel group, um, they show the run earlier in the play in the game, and then they'll show the run to fake the bootleg, as we talked about. And then they'll do the fake the bootleg to set up the screen, and then they'll set up, fake all of that and hit a play action over the middle. So that's the kind of thing that we're that Shanahan does so well that the Kingsbury doesn't quite do that well. Um, so it, it's it's possible it could get there. Like the Anthony Lynn hires an entry one because he's been on that Shanahan staff and and seen how he ties that all together so well. Um, so perhaps that's one way of, of trying to marry those the, the pass and the run game a little bit better. But um, yeah, I think it's probably a little bit too early to say, yes, it definitely will be a, a Shanahan style. But it, it certainly, that 2022 Cardinals offense was more closely resembling what Shanahan looked to do than what you would typically associate with the air raid. Interesting. So it's not that far-fetched that the commander's offense under Cliff Kingsbury could be Shanahan-esque, and so maybe J.J. McCarthy would be a great fit. Let's take Caleb Williams out of the mix, because he pretty clearly is the QB1 in the 2024 draft. J.J. McCarthy versus Drake May versus Jaden Daniels. Are there things about McCarthy that are better as compared to May and Daniels? Uh, I think he's probably more consistent with his ball placement than both of the other two. Um, I think I've, I've spoken on here before about Drake May. My biggest concern with May is that his ball placement and his accuracy is really inconsistent. And he can have moments where the ball is fantastic and it's hitting a guy in stride perfectly. And then the next play, he'll throw it three yards behind him or two yards over his head and, and force his receiver to make this absurd catch and, and limit his yards after catch ability. Whereas McCarthy is much more consistent with putting that ball out in front in a nice catchable area for the receiver to make the catch without breaking stride and, and continue after the catch. And, and obviously, as, as we kind of talked about with the Shanahan system, it's about picking up yards after the catch. And so um, a quarterback that consistently put that ball out in front, it, it, that is that is a, a real good trait for, for McCarthy that I think he has advantage over both of the other two guys. Um, but yeah, I, I think in terms of arm strength, it, they're all relatively similar. I don't think they. I don't think anyone stands out as having this amazing arm. That none of them are Caleb Williams, um, and but none of them are like terrible. That they they can all make the throws that they need to make. Um, that they don't always have necessarily the the best drive. Um, 
if they're, they're trying to throw the ball 30 yards down the field from the fire hash, uh, you know, that, but that, that's a real tough throw to make. Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of arm strength, they're all fairly similar. Um, mobility, Jane Daniels obviously has a, a, um, a higher ceiling in, in that regard, and he's, he's a little bit more athletic. Uh, Drake May is also quite athletic. Um, I, I don't think he's not necessarily as fast as, as Jaden Daniels, but he's, he's still pretty athletic and mobile. And, and I don't think McCarthy is a million miles away from where Drake May is, um, but in the system that they ran at Michigan, he wasn't put in the situations to have to run around and scramble as often as the other guys did. So uh, you didn't get to necessarily see it. Um, so I, I think he's a really, I think he is still perfectly athletic and mobile. Um, and, and he was involved in some of the run game stuff, but he's not probably not at the level of, of either May or Daniels in, in that regard. What are your biggest concerns with JJ McCarthy? Yeah, so obviously he talked about the inexperience in, in that system that he he ran with, with Michigan, that they were a, a run-first team, and then so he didn't pass the ball that often. He wasn't put in too many difficult situations. Um, and people will often point to, oh, they didn't trust him to pass the ball. And, and it's like, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily they didn't trust him to pass the ball. I think it's the, uh, the horrible philosophy um, that they want to run the ball. And, and you could see that with... You know the the press conference that they had where they talked about Justin Herbert um, in, in in LA with Harbaugh and and his offensive coordinator Greg Roman. That rather than talking about we can do this amazing stuff with with Justin Herbert as a passer, they talked about imagine him with a great run game and 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 that's the kind of philosophy that the Harbaugh system has. So they didn't give him they didn't give McCarthy the opportunity opportunities. I don't think it was necessarily they didn't trust him with that. Um, so I, I don't buy into that not too much, but there is just a lack of experience. Um, and he is also prone to these random moments of, of madness, as, as I kind of wrote in that, that article you referenced, um, where he will just have plays where maybe he thinks he can fit the ball into a window that just isn't there, or um, he'll he'll feel like he'll he'll assume that a check down's there. That there, there was one example I had where um, I think it was against Maryland where he was trying to hit a play action pass over the middle. It wasn't there, and he just assumed it was checked down to the to the running back or the tight end, and the flat was going to be there. And he kind of almost no looked it, just threw it without even checking. And and a guy jumped it and dropped what should have been a, a pick six. So he has he's prone to these little moments of madness. Um, but they, to me, they they scream more inexperience, and I've not done this enough to realize that. I, I have limits on what I can do uh, rather than these are huge red flags that he couldn't overcome. Uh, I, I would imagine that's the kind of thing that he will learn very quickly in the NFL. Yeah, I can't afford to just throw that check down without checking that it's open because someone's going to pick six the other way and I'm not going to play very long if I do that. So um, I, I, I think those are the main red flags for him, but um, they're not, for me, they're not huge concerns, but they certainly if you were evaluating a guy that you're potentially going to invest a top 10 pick into, you would certainly like to have a little bit more, a larger sample size and, and see him do a little bit more than what he was asked to do. 
So if you go by NFL draft history, these perceived top three quarterbacks in the 2024 draft, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels, aren't all going to be hits. Uh, If you go by the hit rate for first-round quarterbacks, at least one of these perceived top three quarterbacks will not work out, maybe even more than one. And if you go by what almost always happens in NFL drafts, the best quarterbacks from the 2024 draft will not be in the order in which the quarterbacks were drafted. So there's a good chance that a quarterback other than Williams, May, and Daniels will be better than one or more of those guys. Could slash will J.J. McCarthy be that quarterback? What if the commanders could trade down from the number two overall pick, obtain additional draft capital, and still get a franchise quarterback via drafting McCarthy. Would you advocate the commanders to at least seriously be considering trading down and taking McCarthy? I would certainly consider it. And you, if if it was, um, if you could guarantee he was going to be there, if, if we're talking about a trade down, a lot of people talk about the Falcons at eight being a, a team that want to be aggressive and moving up for a quarterback. And, and that could potentially be a trade partner. If you could guarantee that McCarthy was going to be there at eight, then that, that sounds like a very appealing option where you could trade down. You could still land your, your franchise quarterback in and, and get a hold of picks to, to trade back in the process. But, and I certainly, like, you know, I do a world yet do that. But I, I think the more I thought about it, the more I think my thing with quarterbacks, when you're drafting a quarterback in the top or in the first round, my, my philosophy has always been if you love a quarterback, you go get him. You don't risk moving out and, and missing on him um, because if, if you really love the guy, uh, you're convicted that he can be your franchise quarterback for the next 10, 15 years or whatever it is. You don't want to miss out on that. And, and there's there's no there, there's no value. There's no price you could get back that's worth missing out on that. So if you, if you drop down from two to eight, there's a chance maybe the Giants at six sit there and go, actually, we don't love Daniel Jones. We're going to take a, a shot on this guy. Or maybe the Titans at seven, they, they, they're not necessarily set on, on Levis being their guy long term. Maybe they go, we want we want McCarthy. Or, or maybe the Vikings sitting back at 12 or 11, whatever pick they're at, they go, actually, Kirk Cousins coming off his Achilles, we're not, we're not too sure about that. We want to get our future guy and... and Kevin O'Connell comes from that uh, Shanahan, Big Bay tree, um, so he's going to be a good fit. And maybe they jump up above you to seven or six or five, and and, and they go in and take McCarthy before you get him. And then you you've dropped back and you've missed. And sure, you've got this whole hall of picks, but you've missed out on your quarterbacks. Um, so uh, if if they really like McCarthy, um, as, as silly as it might sound to say, if, if you're really convicted that he's your guy or any of these guys are your guy, I don't think you trade out at two. I, I think you sit there at two. You take your quarterback. You don't You don't play. Don't try to get too cute with it. And, and you just take your guy and you go, okay, my quarterback position is, is set now for the next 5, 10, 15 years. And, and, and hopefully we found our guy because we believe in it. I, I wouldn't risk missing out on that. Much more with Mark Bullock in moments. I tell you, figuring out the best quarterback path for the commanders with their number two overall pick in the 2024 draft is tricky. Figuring out the best law firm in the Washington, D.C. area is not tricky. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. 
Paulson and Nace fights for victims like no other law firm does. Chris Nace, Matt Nace, and the rest of the team do excellent work. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. You know, a victim of medical malpractice can file a lawsuit to seek compensation for the harm that he or she has suffered, but to do so, the person must file within a certain time frame known as the statute of limitations. Uh, These statutes can change based on where you file and what type of case that you have. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Here's the phone number, 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firms 2024 edition. Find out why. 202-902-7611. Paulson and Nace. When tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. We're talking with Commander's Analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.com. Substack.com. We, on your last appearance on the podcast, episode 762, got your in depth analysis of Caleb Williams versus Drake May versus Jaden Daniels. Uh, you have questions about May. The opinions on May really are all over the place. I, on episode 769 of this podcast, had on a guy who you know well, pro football focus senior data analyst Nick Ackridge. Uh, he, as you know, really likes May. Uh, May, by the way, very impressive breaking down his tape on a recent YouTube show with former Skins quarterback Colt McCoy. But it feels like there's a lot more variance with opinions on May as compared to opinions on Williams and Daniels. What do you make of the wide-ranging nature of opinions on May? Yeah, it's, it is quite uh, quite fascinating to see just how wide the views are on him. And I think, uh, for me, I, I can see enough of both the good and the bad from Drake May's game that I can understand why there's people that, if they like him, they're convinced that there's so much of this good that he'll overcome the bad. And there's people that if they don't like him, they see the bad and they go, this just isn't going to work consistently in the NFL. The rest of it doesn't matter. The good doesn't matter if you can't overcome the simple stuff. Um, and for me, I've the more I've watched Drake May, the more I've come around on him a little bit. Um, I, I'm not I'm not there saying he's the number one quarterback in the draft like some people are, but um, there are there's certainly a lot to like about him, but the the issues that I've talked about with you before with the, the accuracy and the ball placement where he's just wildly inconsistent with it and, and he, he really limits some some yard after the catch potential and, and he misses some easy throws in, in the flat and, and there have been quarterbacks that have done that before and, and 
struggle and you know improved when they came in the NFL, and there's been a lot more that have come into the NFL and struggled to improve with accuracy and stuff. Um, so I can see why there is a wide range of opinions, and then my opinion on him changes kind of almost every time that I watch him. Um, so I, I get that. Um, in terms of like, and, and I know Nick uh, really, really likes him, and I can see all the upside of him. Like, well, the things I talked about with McCarthy about attacking over the middle of the field and, and, and fitting the ball into tight windows, like, there there are throws like that littered all over Drake May's film. Um, but for me, I just can't. Keep, I keep coming back to, well, why can he make that throw on this play? And then two plays later, he misses the throw to the flat or the quick slant or, um, you know, the easy stuff. And, and even in, in that video you showed, uh, you talked about with, with Cole McCoy, um, they showed a lot of his really good stuff. And, and you could see everything there is to like. He's good off play action. He, he really moves around the pocket well. He protects the ball. Um, and he can make some real nice throws down the field. Um, but the last clip they showed in that, he threw behind the guy over the middle and the receiver had to make some out, outrageous catch behind his back. Um, and, and and that's the kind of stuff that I talk about. It, it's, it's, it's really frustrating um, because there is clearly so much talent with him. Um, but you're just like, why can't, why are you missing these, these throws that you, you clearly are capable of making? So um, that's why I'm not as high on him as others. And that's why I think he divides opinion so much because... I think you can kind of see what you want to see with him a little bit. Let's talk some free agency. The NFL last Friday afternoon announced that the salary cap is skyrocketing for the 2024-2025 league year. Uh, will be a record $255.4 million, record increase of $30.6 million from the salary cap of $224.8 million for the 2023-2024 league year. The commanders for the upcoming new league year have a ton of salary cap space. The number has been adjusted, but the commanders per overthecap.com are for this upcoming new league year set to have the fourth most cap space in the NFL, $77.9 million. Free agency is coming. The legal tampering period begins on Monday, March 11th at 12 p.m. Eastern. The new league year when signings of external free agents can become official begins on Wednesday, March 13th at 4 p.m. Eastern. You on your Substack on Monday morning put up a post about interior offensive linemen who the commanders could target in free agency this offseason. Among those who you wrote about was Los Angeles Rams unrestricted free agent right guard Kevin Dotson, who had a really good 2023 season off being traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers to the Rams for basically nothing last August. What do you like about Kevin Dotson? Yeah, well, he he, he really changed the philosophy of what the Rams were all about. Um, it, it, you, when you talk about Sean McVay, certainly when he was in Washington, he, he was the kind of offshoot of the Shanahan guys. He used a lot of white zone, play action. And he went to LA and, and he transformed Jared Goff by using the, that kind of the wide zone, the play action to open up stuff over the middle and and the typical Shanahan stuff. And then he got Matthew Stafford and went, okay, we we don't need to use all of that. We can kind of just drop back, pass, and and that works. And then they won the Super Bowl doing that. And then they had a bunch of injuries and they really struggled doing that. And and so this is kind of the third iteration. And the big part of it is the guards that they got. They they drafted Stephen. Avila um, or Avila, I can't remember how you pronounce his name. They drafted him last year. Um, 
and then they traded for for Kevin Dotson from the Steelers. As you say, it was it was almost a, a nothing trade. It was like they swapped a, a fourth round pick this year for a fifth round pick next year, and 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 the fifth round pick next year for a sixth round pick the year after, or something like that. Um, and they basically got him for nothing. And he came in and and became the starting right guard. And and between him and Avila, they they had two guys that really set the tone up front. They became they transitioned from this wide zone team to this gap scheme team where they just bullied guys up front. They they had so much power, um, running a bunch of duo schemes, and and um, they knocked guys off the ball and 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 created running lanes that way. And um, and then they McVeigh being McVeigh was was smart enough to adjust his play action stuff to, to work off the duo stuff instead of the, the wide zone and, and the Rams offense had a resurgence and, and I think they'll be strong again next year so um, and Dotson well, yeah he, he was a big part of that he, he was again he, he was a big powerful molder in the run game um, he's also really good in, in pass protection um, really reliable in pass protection uh, while well, I think he's listed at something like 225 200, uh, sorry 325 330 pounds so He's a big guy, but um, he's still able to move his feet quite well. Um, and, and so you, you see guys like in Washington this year with, with Chris Paul when he was at left guard. He's a similar big body, but he really struggled to move his feet. So when teams ran stunts at him, he was he would handle the initial guy on the stunt, but he wouldn't be able to redirect his feet and get back inside for the, the defense van looping inside, and, and they'd get a free rusher up the middle. Dotson is very much the opposite of that. He he was very quick to pass stunts off and then redirect his feet and, and pick up guys. So um, I think that's the appeal of someone like that. He's he's quite a complete and well-rounded guard. Um, and so yeah, I, I think that would be a, a very appealing free agent to Washington and basically any team that's looking to run gas scheme stuff. And and that means he's probably going to be quite an expensive option. And and. You, you do have to consider, obviously, Washington right now have a lot, a lot of cap space, but they've got someone like Sam Cosme that is entering a contract here that presumably they'll want to try to lock down long-term. Um, they're going to have to do something at, at center and, and at, at the two tackle spots. They're going to have to try to spread that money around. So do they want to then commit two huge contracts to the both of guard spots? Um, and, and maybe they do with you know a rookie quarterback probably coming in then. Maybe you want to secure that interior, um, and and that would make a lot of sense. But maybe they'd rather spread that money around to spending some of it on a big tackle and some of it on on Sam Cosme and some of it on a center rather than focus it all on the guards. NFL free agency with offensive linemen is interesting. Offensive tackles matter more than interior offensive linemen, but most good offensive tackles don't make it to free agency. And those who do are super expensive. Plenty of good interior offensive linemen do make it to free agency. So a team in free agency usually is better off signing interior offensive linemen as opposed to offensive tackles. You look at the commander's offensive line, I think that we'd agree that the team needs to upgrade at center and left guard. Uh, Samuel Cosme had a good 2023 season as the right guard. He has found his position. No more having him play both tackle and guard. No, he is a guard. (laughs) Uh, But what about the offensive tackle spots? Uh, Both Charles Leno Jr. and Andrew Wiley are under contract for the 2024 season. The team could cut Leno to generate more cap space. Cutting Wiley for cap space doesn't work out as well. Should the team cut Leno and keep Wiley? Should the team perhaps keep Leno given that the team is likely to have a rookie QB1? 
Should the team keep Wiley but move him to guard, which he has played before? I think that we all expect the commanders to spend some draft capital on offensive tackles, but who knows when those guys will be ready to be starters. What do you think is the right path with Leno and Wiley? Yeah, I I think you ultimately keep both guys for now. Uh, Maybe if you somehow come out of the draft with a starting left tackle, you might consider doing what the Bears did with Leno after they drafted. Uh, I can't remember the, the tackle they drafted, but then they cut Charles Leno after the draft. Um, and that's when Washington picked him up. And maybe you could consider doing that if if you're in desperate need of cap space after the draft. But I, I think it's unlikely, given that Washington is likely to be drafting a quarterback at, at two or in the first round, it's unlikely that they're going to be able to find a starting caliber left tackle. From, from my understanding of the of the rest of the draft class, the guys that will be around that kind of second round pick or the two second round picks that they have, um, the guys that will be there are kind of guys that play tackle in college but may well end up at guard in the NFL or maybe project a little bit more to a right tackle role than a left tackle role. Um, and and so I don't think they'd be able to upgrade on Leno. And so I, I would keep Leno because... He's your best left tackle, and I know fans don't necessarily like Charles Leno, but he's a serviceable left tackle. Um, and yes, he has his issues, but you can you can deal with those. Um, and so, I would be keeping Charles Leno, uh, as you say. It makes no contract sense to cut Andrew Wiley. I, I know fans are done with Andrew Wiley and want him gone, but it 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 would cost them. I, th- I think it costs them something like eight million to cut him. And you would save one million on the salary cap, so you might as well just keep the guy. And even if you don't want him to start, you you have a valuable backup guy that can fill it in at multiple spots. As you say, he played guard in in Kansas City, he played tackle, obviously, so you could fill him in at multiple spots. And he becomes a really valuable backup. I I would. It'll be interesting to see. I think a lot of it depends on what they can do with those early second round picks. If they can find a right tackle profile, I think Wiley could easily move inside to left guard and, and, and shore up that spot. But if, if they can't, it, as I say, I think a lot of the guys that are projected to be in that kind of range are probably more tackles that will become guards in the NFL. Um, and so maybe you then keep Wiley at right tackle as, as much as fans will hate to hear that. Um, and you, you, you put the rookie at left guard um, and, and then you have, you know, I, I think in this, in this system that's going to be more based on the run um, than Eric Bieniemy did, um, and it's going to be more gap scheme, um, I think that will suit Wiley and, and, and Cosme at, on the right side. They, one of the kind of underrated things and not talked about things is those two are actually really, really good in the run game together. They, they Whenever they ran a counter or a power scheme, those two mauled defensive tackles down the line and created a huge running lane when uh, whenever they ran power or gap and when, and when they ran duo, those two were plugging away guys really well. So uh, I think there's some value to Wiley at right tackle in the run game for a gap, a gap scheme like what we're expecting this to be. Um, so I, I think ultimately he'll end up a right tackle, but um, if they can come away from the draft with a, with a high value rookie, then by all means you, you can, you can move Wiley to left guard or, or even, as I say, plug him in as the as the backup guard or backup tackle. You get a really nice versatile swing backup lineman um, that 
Yeah, but yeah, it makes no no sense at all to cut him. So he'll be here next year. Final question. Uh, for the purpose of having an accurate perspective on what to do with Charles Leno and Andrew Wiley. So the commander's best offensive lineman last season was Samuel Cosme. I don't think that there's any real disputing that. Who was the team's second best offensive lineman last season? I'm assuming that your answer is Leno or Wiley. Which one is it? Who was better? Yeah, definitely Leno. Um, and, and, and Leno, you could argue, was... No, you probably wouldn't argue he was as effective as Cosme, but he was playing a probably more premium position. Um, so uh, it's a it's a tougher position for him to handle than necessarily Cosme at guard. But uh, both of them played quite well. Uh, Cosme played really, really well. And I, I think he's someone that, if, if I'm the commanders this offseason, if I'm Adam Peters, I'm... I'm Signing him to an extension now rather than waiting till next year. Um, Leno was was. I know he gets a lot of hate from fans, and then yes, he can get beat on some speed rushes off the edge. Uh, but they really didn't help um, last year with, with by by passing the ball fifty five times in a row. You know, it it really doesn't set up the offensive line to to for success and um, being able to run the ball more, being able to lean into more play action. Um, when you identify that, okay, this this team we're playing against has a really good speed rusher off the edge, let's give Leno a little bit more help with the tight end chipping or running back chipping, and 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 let's maybe slide the line that way and and, and help that way so that he can really overcommit to a rush, knowing that he has help inside. And and that was the other part of it; they had constant movement at left guard. It was Steve Charles one week and then Chris Paul the next, and. And Paul really struggled to, to help with, with stunts and stuff. So Leno was kind of on his own and, and didn't get that much help. And, and I, I think he's a guy that is a really serviceable, good left tackle in the NFL. But like, he's not a top 10 left tackle. He's not Trent Williams. You don't leave him on an island on his own. But very few guys are that. And, and Washington fans have kind of been spoiled by having Samuels and then Trent Williams as kind of back-to-back their franchise left tackles. Leno is much more along the lines of kind of what most teams have to go with. And, and he's, he's pretty good at that. Um, so I, I yeah, I, I think he would probably be your second best lineman and, and he'd be the guy that I would probably stick with at left tackle unless you, you know, unless they hate all the quarterbacks and they decide we're just going to take one of the top left tackle prospects. Then obviously the, the conversation changes, but uh, it, it's probably going to be a rookie quarterback and then therefore they're probably not going to land a, a top left tackle prospect. All right, Commander's Analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. Mark, thank you, and have a great weekend. Of course, sounds good. Yeah, two things that to me are true about the Commander's offensive line this past season. A, the line was made to look worse than it was due to Sam Howell not doing a good enough job of avoiding sacks, and also due to our team's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy not doing a good enough job of scheming things to where Sam wasn't so often put in a position to have to avoid sacks. But B, the line was like mid at best. Uh, The line wasn't as bad as it was made out to be, but the line does need to be upgraded. Uh, If you go by ESPN's win rate metrics, which are based on player tracking data from the NFL's next-gen stats, the commanders for the 2023 regular season were 14th in the NFL in pass block win rate. Not bad at all. Uh, Upper half of the NFL, but also were just 22nd 
in the NFL in run block win rate. Uh, well, if there was a win rate for catering services, uh, catering by Uptown would be number one. Catering by Uptown would be the 1991 skins in terms of pass block win rate and run block win rate. Catering by Uptown. It is the DMV's number one catering service, and it now is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Listen up if you or someone who you know is planning a wedding Newly engaged couples can get 5% off any Catering by Uptown wedding package. Just call 301-572-7744. Set up your own personal tour of one of Catering by Uptown's premier waterfront venues and mention that Al Galdi sent you to get the discount. If you're planning a wedding, you want great service, but you also want a great price. Catering by Uptown provides both. Call 301 372-7744 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Catering by Uptown also can help you if you're planning a party or a corporate event. Catering by Uptown is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations. And Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly from putting together and executing a menu to picking linens to selecting an excellent florist. Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. And don't forget about the great offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Newly engaged couples can get 5% off any Catering by Uptown wedding package. Just call 301-572-7744. Set up your own personal tour of what if Catering by Uptown's premier waterfront venues and mention that Al Galdi sent you to get the discount. That's 301-572-7744. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, the Wizards late night on Thursday night begin a three-game trip out west with the first of two games at Staples Center on back-to-back nights. The Wizards late night on Thursday night fought, but the Wizards late night on Thursday night ultimately lost, concluding a winless February. A 134-131 overtime loss at the Los Angeles Lakers, what was the Wizards' first overtime game this NBA regular season, in which the Wizards now are 9-50 and and have the worst record in the NBA. The Wizards are 9-50, and the Detroit Pistons are 9-49, and and the Wizards now have lost 13 consecutive games, and the Wizards, with this overtime loss at the Lakers, concluded a winless month. Of February. The Wizards during the month went 0-12. Uh, the Wizards in this overtime loss at the Lakers late night on Thursday night blew a nine-point second quarter lead, but overcame an eight-point fourth quarter deficit. Remained without Bilal Koulibaly. He did not play for a second consecutive game due to a right pelvis contusion that he suffered in the Wizards' 114-105 loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers at Capital One Arena this past Sunday evening. But back was Denny Avdia. He returned from a three-game absence caused by a left heel contusion. And Denny was good. 43 minutes, 17 seconds as a starter. He went 3-5 of on threes, 2-5 of on twos, and 2-2 two of two 
on free throws, finished with 15 points, 15 rebounds, and 5 assists versus two turnovers. Uh, However, the Wizards' uh, defense was uh, not good. Uh, Now, they did hold the Lakers to a respectable 8-23 on threes, but the Wizards allowed the Lakers to score a whopping 82 points in the paint. The Lakers went 41 of 69 in the paint. Uh, The Wizards allowed the Lakers to finish with 30 assists versus 11 turnovers, and the Wizards got ripped by Anthony Davis and... LeBron James. Uh, Davis and James combined for 71 of the Lakers' 134 points. Yep. AD and the King had their ways with our Wizards. Uh, 6'10", Anthony Davis in 41 minutes, 15 seconds as a starter went 14 of 22 from the field, all twos, and 12 of 13 on free throws. He finished with 40 points, 15 rebounds, including three offensive boards, four assists versus one turnover and three blocks. And 6'9", LeBron James in his age 39 season, 38 minutes, 44 seconds as a starter, 2 of 5 on threes, 10 of 19 on twos, and 5 of 7 on free throws. He finished with 31 points, 9 assists versus 4 turnovers and 4 rebounds. Uh, The Wizards' offense was good. They went 17 of 41 on threes, 35 of 61 on twos, and 10 of 12 on free throws, and had 35 assists versus 15 turnovers. Another good offensive game for Jordan Poole as a reserve. He in 38 minutes, 6 seconds off the bench, went 5 of 12 on threes, 8 of 14 on twos, and 3 of 4 on free throws. Finished with 34 points, seven assists versus three turnovers and three rebounds, although he did have a game-worst plus-minus rating of minus 12. Uh, The former Laker, Kyle Kuzma, he in 37 minutes, 15 seconds as a starter, went four of eight on threes, three of eight on twos, and two of two on free throws. He finished with 20 points, 10 rebounds, four assists versus two turnovers and three blocks. Marvin Bagley III, he in 33 minutes, 41 seconds as a starter, went one of one on threes, 10 of 13 on twos, 0 of one on free throws. He finished with 23 points, two blocks, and a game best plus minus rating of plus 11. Although he did have just four rebounds, uh, that is a low rebounding total uh, for Bagley given how he has played since the Wizards got him via trade with the Pistons on January 14th. And Corey Kispert, 27 minutes, 27 seconds off the bench. He went just 2 of 7 on threes, but also 6 of 8 on twos and 2 of 2 on free throws. He finished with 20 points, 6 assists versus 2 turnovers and six rebounds. Uh, As a Wizards fan, I don't care at all about the losing this season. The team is tanking. The team is rebuilding. But this game would have been a nice game in which to end the losing streak. The Wizards had the Lakers playing on the second night of a back-to-back. Took the game to overtime, but uh, fell short. But look, this Wizards season in no way (laughs) is about winning and losing. Uh, And next up for the Wizards at the Los Angeles Clippers, Friday night at 10.30. 
And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 775. We'll have a lot for you on the Commanders. Also on Monday's show, I'll talk Capitals, Wizards, and college basketball. The Caps have two games this weekend, home to the Philadelphia Flyers Friday night at 7 and home to the Arizona Coyotes Sunday afternoon at 1. The Wizards have one game this weekend at the Los Angeles Clippers Friday night at 10.30. And college basketball this weekend, Maryland is home to Indiana Sunday afternoon at 2. Georgetown is home to Xavier Saturday evening at 7.30. Virginia is at number 10 Duke Saturday evening at 6. And Virginia Tech is home to Wake Forest Saturday evening at 5.30. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. And now, please. I didn't want to go over Gertrude's house any damn way. You ain't got to worry about that because I ain't taking you nowhere with me. JB was over there. What JB got to do with you? Man, I ain't got to talk to you about it.